Broadcasting from Manhattan Beach and the World Wide Web, you're listening to CHSRHealthyLife.net. As a service to our listeners, this program is for general information and entertainment purposes only. CHSRHealthyLife.net does not recommend, endorse, or object to the views, products, or topics expressed or discussed by show hosts or their guests. We suggest you always consult with your own personal, medical, financial, or legal advisor. Well, welcome everybody to Mary Ann Live. I'm Mary Ann Camarado. And like I always say, great relationships begin within and with some meditation, no doubt. Joining us today, Rick Keller is with us. He's going to be talking about his new book, Secular Meditation, 32 Practices for Cultivating Inner Peace, Compassion, and Joy. That's what we have to look forward to this hour. Before we introduce uh, Rick and uh, tell you a little bit about who he is and, and also you know, we've got a lot of fans out there waiting to talk about uh, secular meditation, which is so interesting, um, let's do what we always do at the top of the hour. For those of you joining us again and again and for those of you joining us for the first time, we just like to invite you to get here, right, to cultivate one of our practices, which is presence or presencing or whatever you want to call it. The way that we like to do it here is just finding our breath. We take the somatic route, just noticing your body, whether you're driving, whatever time of day it is, however you're tuning in, just noticing your breath. It's not something we often bring attention to, but when we do, oftentimes something wonderful happens. We start to turn our attention inwards, and, yeah, I can feel it. I can feel it with myself. We just start to kind of wind down and in, and then we can get present, and then we can receive Rick Keller's presence for us this hour, talking about secular meditation. So go ahead and just find your breath, noticing the quality of your breath, maybe even taking an audible breath letting your shoulders drop away from your earlobes or wherever they are, whatever shape you're in, seeing if it might soften just a little bit, if that feels useful, if it feels beneficial, unless you're in a bunch and you like it and you breathe it really fast and go with that. You know, nobody's trying to talk you out of anything here. <laughs> just an invitation. And, and on that note, while you're breathing in and out with some presence and consciousness, the other part of our practice we like to do here together, because it's fun to practice together, is we like to cultivate a perspective or an attitude of gratitude. Yep, not a cliche. It's a beautiful part of our practice. Finding a portal is often the challenge. I like to um, ask folks to consider who helped make it possible for you to do or be what you're doing or who you're being right now. And I know our list can be very long, and the shift is really significant. Sometimes it's not easy to find gratitude. Life is filled with so many distractions, so many demands, pressures. There's so much going on in the world. And within all of that, just noticing, where's my gratitude today? 
And go ahead and go down your list of folks who make it possible for you to do what you do, and we're going to do that as well. We like to start at the global level. Our honorary sponsor, OneWorldChildrensFund.org, if you're online. They're uniting people to improve the lives of children affected by poverty. They envision a world where we act together as a global community to ensure all children have education, health care, and a safe home. <clears throat> at the national level, we'd like to thank the National Action Organization committed to changing the way our culture values each other. Programming just like this uh, is made possible by the National Action Organization. We're so grateful to them. And if you're online, NACTION.org for more information. At the local level, we're here in California. We love, love, love Open Secret Bookstore in San Rafael, California. They've got the latest in meditation and revelation. They've been sponsoring this program for about 10 years now. So we're so grateful to them. They've got books just like this, like Rick Heller's book, Secular Meditation, 32 Practices for Cultivating Inner Peace, Compassion, and Joy. Um, which is a guide, by the way, from the humanist community at Harvard. We're going to find out what that means in just a minute. But before we do, let's just take a moment to transition breathing and gratitude over to our guest, Rick Heller, as we make this transition. For those of you who don't know, Rick Heller leads meditations at the humanist community at Harvard. He's a freelance journalist. Uh, He's written for the Washington Post, the Boston Globe, Buddhadharma, Free Inquiry, and so on and so forth. He's got a master's degree in journalism from Boston University, a master's degree in public policy from Harvard's Kennedy School of Government, and his undergraduate in electrical engineering from MIT, all of which support being a great meditator, I'm sure. <laughs> We're going to find out how and how that's related. He had to do a lot of meditating. He's a super smart guy, and he's here to help us today. Yeah, to meditate, he says we don't have to be religious. Uh, that it's actually an age-old secular practice with numerous scientifically verified physical and psychological benefits. Uh, he's a longtime meditation teacher, and he's going to show us how to go beyond the personal to enrich relationships with others, with community, and with the world. He's going to give us step-by-step instructions, some today and definitely in his book, which, by the way, if you're online, go to rickheller.com, R-I-C-K-H-E-L-L-E-R.com for more information. But we're going to get started. Uh, let me invite Rick onto the program. Welcome to the program, Rick Keller. We're so glad you're here. Oh, yeah. Good morning, Marianne. It's, it's, uh, you started with a great practice. It's really wonderful, the gratitude practice. I think that was really terrific. It made me think of someone I hadn't thought for, about for a while. I'm so glad. Yes, that's the, the invitation to get present, to get grateful. And you know a lot about this. You've been working with folks for a number of years helping us cultivate practice. Um, Let's talk a little bit about that. Your background doesn't necessarily look like that. You look like an academic guy, right? Yeah, I really didn't get into meditation until after the first two degrees, the MIT and the Harvard degree, and I I actually got the third degree in journalism once I wanted to start to write about things like this. Mm -hmm. And uh, (laughs) you're a little bunged up there in the academic world. I mean, what led to meditation for you? Well, actually, I was living in, um, after my uh, second degree, which was uh, at Harvard, I I moved out to California. In fact, I worked for the Public Utilities Commission in San Francisco. And as I describe in the book, I was having some problems with my eyes, which 
it turned out to I was in my twenties at the time, and it turned out uh, I, I finally went to an, an eye doctor in um, at the UCSF University of California San Francisco Medical School, and he told me expl- explained to me he didn't just say it was psychosomatic, but he actually sort of explained to me how one's mental attitude can actually either increase one's level of physical pain, which was it just blew my mind that that could be the case, mm-hmm. and I had an insight about actually why that may have happened. I won't go into all the details. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that, that opened my mind because I was, at the time, I was um, sort of closed-minded about what might be called a sort of spiritual practice like meditation. And in fact, when I first moved out to California and found that these people were meditating, I really scoffed at them. I thought it was really <laughs> stupid. Um, but um, but after this experience, I said, well, maybe I've been a little closed-minded about this. And I was going, um, I I, uh, I took a meditation class at the uh, y, uh, YWCA in San Francisco, and I first learned breath meditation. Uh, that was like 30 years ago. Uh, and for probably about 20 years, I just did breath meditation. And in, in the last 10 years, I've... Um, uh, I've done quite a bit more, and I've also uh, got the journalism degree and uh, done a lot of, of written some articles about meditation mm-hmm. and interviewed scientists as well as meditation teachers, and that's kind of how that all yeah. came together. What's well, funny, you bring up a really great point that you address throughout the book. You sort of weave this in, which is the, the um, very low incidence of being a convert, you know, Unless you moved to California, which I found one of your stories about a, a guy in Boston who'd written an article about the, the woman who uh, started a little campaign about smiling, right? We'll right. get to that later. I love that. How committed we are to our misery, to <laughs> our crappy attitude, Rick, to our judgment, right? Mm-hmm. And it's great. And then we get a little taste of it. I think a lot of us who've been exposed to mindfulness practice um, do scoff at first, A, because we don't understand what you talk about in your book. If you're just joining us, Rick Keller's in the house talking about his new book, Secular Meditation. Um, you know, we, we don't understand um, when we come at it from a purely cognitive approach or just, you know, sort of the, the popular memes about um, meditation. It's easy to scoff at, but you take us on a journey that's not only personal, but you weave in other people's stories and and really the benefits, the proof is in the pudding here. What do you think about that? Well, in the last 10 years, there's been a, a change among scientists, actually, and it's become an, an interest, uh, a research interest, both um, mm-hmm. uh, breath meditation, I would say mantra meditation, and most recently, loving-kindness meditation. Mm-hmm. And I lead off the book with loving-kindness meditation, which does actually, your gratitude practice kind of flows right into it because that's, Loving-kindness meditation is also known as meta-meditation. You start by thinking about someone you feel grateful toward, and you actually leverage those warm feelings to redirect them toward yourself Mm -hmm. and then also toward other people who maybe you don't feel so warmly toward, but the whole practice actually warms you up so that you can actually um, feel kindness toward uh, a person who uh, really you did not feel all that uh, friendly to before. And uh, it's really a wonderful practice. It sure is. And later in the program, I'm going to invite you to invoke that practice. There are so many situations where I think a lot of us feel very um, righteous and justified about the way we feel towards people's behaviors. And you invite us to take a different position. But before we get there, 
Uh, let's start by talking a little bit about the title of your book, Rick, Secular Meditation. It sort of seems like an oxymoron, just a teeny bit, you know, like because meditation, Buddhism, um, all sort of the, the religious or spiritual history that it derives from really conjures for people a sense of spirituality. Talk about why the deviation for you and what this actually means. Well, there's a lot. So I participate in a, a group called the Humanist Community at Harvard. It's a, um, it's a, a, a quite a large group uh, uh, with a with a building. It's essentially you, it's um, a church. You might say it's a church for people who are non-religious. There's a way you could express it. Mm-hmm. That's something where people go on Sunday and have a program. And we actually lead our meditations on Tuesday night. Uh, so these are people who are no longer religious. Many of them grew up religious, and they but they still want a place to go to be uh, part of a community, uh, but they don't want it focused around religious practices that they no longer believe in. So I've written, the, uh, and we do our meditations in a way that sort of doesn't uh, press any emotional buttons or triggers, because sometimes people can be a little sensitive about things that sort of seem religious. And at, at the core, meditation is, is something that uh, our brains do. It, it, we can do it with our brain. It, uh, it just works. And... Uh, it doesn't require, even though I, you know, I certainly give credit to the uh, the, the people of the uh, India, ancient India, mm-hmm. two thousand, three thousand years ago, they invented it, and it was invented yeah. within a religious context. But at its core, it's really something anyone can do. Yeah, and I think that the Vedic scriptures go back eight thousand years. I mean, this is so ancient that you know, whole entire uh, peoples organized around this. This way of of conjuring their orientation to life. So, so let's just just unpack that a little bit further. If if meditation proper, like you said in India or wherever it derived from, is uh, has a point at least in in some of the Buddhist traditions of nirvana or enlightenment uh, as a uh, goal, if you will. Secular meditation's goal is. What? And that's what you talk about in your book. Let's talk a little bit about that. What is the goal for us? Yeah, I, I, I don't claim to be enlightened, so I don't really, uh, I can maybe point in that direction, but my uh, book is really more toward the first steps. It's, so it's really a, a book, I mean, I, I could say it's for people who are beginners, but I actually think there are a number of practices that are, I'm, I'm a, little, a little creative. I, I've got, I actually have something about how to m- watch TV mindfully. Uh, so... <laughs> They didn't have that in uh, a couple thousand years ago. So I have uh, these various practices that, that people uh, can do, and it's loving kindness meditation, paying attention to sound. And it's, uh, it's, uh, 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 but I'm trying to uh, focus on basically simple practices that people who are just starting out can do that can gain benefits so that they can have moment-to-moment um, improve their uh, feelings so that if they're suffering, they can get to neutral, or if they're neutral, they can get to positive. Right, got it. And so, uh, hence your title, Cultivating Inner Peace, Compassion, and Joy. We're going to get to some of those actual practices a little bit later in the hour. Um, So if the goal is to do that, is to cultivate some peace, some compassion, and joy, and you're going to sort of tell us how to do that a little bit later, um, one of the things that you talk about is by secularizing the meditation and mindfulness um, that your uh, approach is turning this just slightly, turning the, um, the uh, microscope or the filter, if you will, just slightly towards oneself 
versus other. For example, in the meta meditation, it's very traditional to feel compassion for the world, and and that's one of the the ways that you say, wait a minute, no, we're going to shift a little bit and not bring in the the Almighty or the the uh, omnipresence of of some uh, being or vibe you called it. We're just going to work with ourselves. Talk about how you make this shift and why. Well, just for our, our, the, the people who come to our community, it would definitely be anti-vibe. Uh, they, uh, you know, within you know mainstream science, there is not a belief in um, action at a distance. So you have to come up with a naturalist, ex, naturalistic explanation of how this can work. And there actually is a certain amount of research on this, and um, it has been proven. But I've, I've interviewed Barbara Fredrickson, a, a professor at the university, psychology professor at the University of North Carolina, and the hypothesis is that when you practice this meditation. Uh, uh, hormones and uh, neurotransmitters are released in the brain and that they don't go away instantaneously so that if you can cultivate gratitude and warm feelings toward your benefactor, but then you think about, let's say, a difficult person and it, let's say uh, uh, a road rage incident. <laughs> you're, 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 like, you're furious because someone cut you off. If you can just think about, let's say, your benefactor for a moment, that warmth can help overcome uh, the feelings of anger, and uh, uh, so there are. It, it, it works through. It probably works through, or at least can work through, uh, the way um, uh, chemicals are released in the brain. Yeah, for the individual who's doing the meditation, right? Right. So, uh, um, so as I said, if you were to, uh, so it, in, in the loving kindness meditation, I, I use an example of, of a person who uh, you don't have warm feelings for. Uh, the person who served you coffee at Starbucks, they're probably neutral. You don't have either warm or negative feelings toward them. But if you think about that person, after you've thought about your benefactor and you've warmed up, you actually start to imagine them uh, in, in a kind way. And if you were to get coffee the next day when you asked for your coffee, you would actually have a big smile on your face. So it actually works through, it can work through natural means, and that's uh, what uh, I aim to cultivate in this. Right. You like the scientific, measurable outcome. You call it the naturalistic outcome. Well, I'm an engineer. I got it. I got it. Well, then, because here's something interesting. I was myself doing some research this last year, and, and there is some new evidence um, looking at the intersubjective field, although these um, folks who are uh, looking at this research are sociologists and anthropologists, and psychology, um, but but there is something that happens in that intersubjective field. We know now through neuroscience, like the mirror neurons, for example, mm-hmm. the way they're transmitted, et cetera, has healing properties and so forth. What do you think about that as a direction that we could move into um, to to look at the way that maybe uh, those vibes maybe uh, at once categorize, you know, previously categorized as sort of a woo-woo thing. What if that field of energy is actually real, like we're starting to see? What do you think about that? Well, I do uh, talk about that, and there's actually uh, there's a research study that shows that loving-kindness meditation can actually um, uh, reduce people's what they call implicit bias or prejudice against other people that uh, uh, a, uh, a researcher at Yale did a study uh, which showed that uh, people's, after uh, a, a program of uh, loving-kindness meditation, people's bias against uh, homeless people, uh, as measured in a certain test that psych- psychologists do, was reduced. So actually, uh, the, uh, these sort of practices not cannot, can help oneself, but can also help 
uh, one's positive relations with other people, and you know, perhaps it could percolate through society. I certainly hope that would be the case. Yeah, we we hope so. And okay, so we're going to go to break here in just a minute, and we're going to. My goal is to see if we can um, convert some more folks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But we're going to have to give them some some more examples, which we're happy to do here. Uh, For you who are just joining us, Rick Heller is with us. He's talking about his new book, Secular Meditation, 32 Practices for Cultivating Inner Peace, Compassion, and Joy. When we get back from the break, I want to talk a little bit about um, this idea that happiness, uh, that you say happiness is generated internally and doesn't depend much on external circumstances. I'm interested in that, and I think folks that, that can't sit still for very long are especially interested in that. Don't touch that dial, everybody. We'll be right back. Keep breathing in and out. Find your portal of gratitude. Climb back through to join us right after these messages. I don't want to date anymore. What? Did you break up again? You said he's perfect. Well, I don't blame you. My last date lasted two minutes at a speed dating event. Are you still looking for the one? There are millions of singles looking for soulmates. Actually, drama-free love. Worry no more. Nine international relationship experts collaborated to bring you secrets to drama-free love. Proven solutions that singles use to help them find, catch, and keep the right relationship. Get your copy of Secrets to Drama-Free Love at Amazon.com now. We've ordered No No More More Love Love Life Life Drama Drama for us. Us. Hi, everybody. I'm relationship expert and radio talk show host Marianne Camarado. And I'm David Raynaud. We want to talk to you for a minute about the changing world of dating and relationships and how self-inquiry can help. Honey, did you know that 44% of the U.S. population is single and over 50% end in divorce yet? We spend an average of one-third of our lives trying to find a great relationship or get help with the ones we already have. Yep, that's exactly why we created the first ever of its kind, the Great Relationships Begin Within Self-Inquiry Divination Deck, because we know what it takes to attract and create a healthy, fulfilling, sustainable relationship. And it's really simple. Sit quietly, close your eyes, turn your attention inward, and draw a card. You can go online right now and get a free reading on Marianne Live and try out the cards. And for under $20, what better way to give yourself a gift of your own attention? We wish you every blessing. We'll see you next time. Check out MarianneLive.com. Okay, so you have a couple of days off and you're planning to get away from stress. You may be planning to go across the world or even taking a staycation around town. Well, Hotels.com can get you a room in over 158,000 hotels, 60 countries for 50% off. That's reducing stress already. Plus, collect 10 nights and you'll get one night free. And there's no cancellation charges, no change fees. For the best deals, even last-minute deals, visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on Hotels.com. Music, information, and friends. HealthyLife.net. Everybody, welcome back to Mary Ann Live. I'm Mary Ann Camarado. Joining us today, Rick Heller. He's with us. Secular Meditation is the book he wrote. 
Hey, Rick, I was thinking um, when we were talking during the break of that old commercial about how many licks does it take to get to the center of a lollipop, and I was thinking about um, how much meditation does it take to get to joy, right? And and this is a challenge for a lot of folks, folks I've worked with for, for the last 30 years. Sitting still is a challenge. Um, that happiness is inside, an inside job. You know, this is not easy work. How does meditation help us orient towards this joy that supposedly lives inside of us, particularly in light of everything that's going on today? Well, uh, I do say that uh, uh, joy and love comes from within. Uh, so I have an example. Uh, if you uh, visit uh, Natural Wonder like the Grand Canyon and you love it, is, is it because the Grand Canyon is loving you back? It's not, because the Grand Canyon doesn't know you exist. It's rocks. So it's actually something going on within yourself that is generating this feeling. The, the Grand Canyon is just sort of the catalyst. Or if you, go to a, if you were to go to a website and you, you saw that your, your favorite team uh, won the game, before, before you've seen any of the details and you feel yes and you feel this moment of joy, uh, basically all you've actually looked at was some pixels on a screen. How do the pixels on the screen make you feel joy? It's actually coming from within yourself. So we do have a, a way of generating joy within ourselves. We just need to figure out how to do it. And uh, loving kindness and compassion meditation, self-compassion meditations are these, uh, I call them tricks, actually, tricks of self-generating joy. So I do believe that love comes from within and joy comes from within, although it is true that it is sort of easier when there's things going on in the outside world that support that. But even in uh, difficult situations, um, one can do that, and I, I give an example. Even difficult situations, I give an example. of My wife and I, we were uh, uh, canoeing on a lake, and then um, on the uh, on the, with the way back, uh, we were actually having some trouble, worried, worried about capsizing because it turned out the wind had shifted, and I, I was quite concerned. But I actually um, still uh, wanted every once in a while to look around me and enjoy this. Uh, wonderful natural area we were and alternate that with a very real problem that we had rather than just be totally immersed in the problem. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. That's a really good example of the complexity of being human. Oftentimes we have this idea, particularly in the allopathic model of health, that there there's a static state, right? That mm-hmm. happiness is achievable and that's one feeling, but really at, at any given moment there are so many sort of almost a crystallized version of what's possible. It sounds like in your book you're inviting us to pick and cultivate a a particular perspective, which can be uh, peace, compassion, and in this case, joy, which is what you did. You were, like, focusing on joy. You weren't going to lose the joy piece, right? Yeah, so even in um, a situation, every day, you know, things aren't always great, but I think one should at least take a few moments to have... Uh, say some exercises of joy, gratitude, even in days that are otherwise difficult, and, and that and that actually can help you get through the day. So, what do you think then about this idea of spiritual bypass? Okay, secular meditation is excluding the, the, the sort of traditionally spiritual way of looking at things, which we're going to get into in a little bit, which will exemplify what we're talking about. But but how how do we do that? How do we approach joy uh, from this perspective? For example, well, I don't mind using the word spiritual. Uh, I just think of it as meaning positive psychology. And 
so it, it is something that um, you know. I, I uh, actually also the, the Serenity Prayer is something that actually I use to guide me. I, and I tweak the wording so it's not really a prayer, but just I, I, I look. You know, when you face a challenging situation, you have to decide whether it's something you um, you can change. In which case, the courage to change it, go ahead and do it. And or if you can change it, you have to. You well, you don't have to, but you. If it's wise, I think wise to accept it and get at least to serenity there. So we do have the ability to change our reactions to things, to get to a place of equanimity. But there are other situations where we actually have the power to change things. It's actually worth the struggle and the difficulty and going through a little bit of suffering in order to change things. But you have to have a certain amount of discernment. Yeah, I think this whole um, wave of spiritual bypass with the uh, all the manifesting, like pop psychology stuff, you know, that invites us to kind of climb over really important feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, to the extent that we as a culture are shutting down our feeling center, which makes us largely relational, right? We need that part of ourselves to read other people's cues and to just move through the world. This is not a small problem. Let's talk a little bit about um, how your work, your invitation is not inviting people to climb over what they're feeling or be self-centered, but it, it, it is a little bit different than the traditional um, approach. Uh, part of that has to do with the, uh, the the humanist community at Harvard. It's also known as the humanist hub, uh, and uh, certainly, and anyone who is in the in the New England area who is listening is welcome to uh, come by, and they can check humanisthub.org uh, for the information. It, 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 there tends to be a important um, humanism is a uh, 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 t- has historically been it's been around for about fifty or sixty years, and tends to have a social justice orientation. A change the world orientation, which I think is good, and I try actually our meditation group is sort of balancing it with a certain amount of interiority. But I think if a group uh, if a group is just purely interior and like not participating in, in the world and thinks uh, you know the world can take care of itself and I'll just meditate, I don't think that's the solution either. I think you need to have that balance between uh, changing the outside world and working on your own interior. Yeah, can you remember a situation personally where that came up for you? Um, for example, I was thinking about something that was happening uh, to a dear friend of ours who is very ill, and um, <clears throat> I feel powerless, impotent. There's nothing I can do, and which makes you feel all kinds of things. Um, but when I was sitting in a meditation, I thought, well, I want to send her good energy. And it was funny because when I was reading your book, I thought, well, he doesn't believe that I can do that. So if I can't send somebody good energy and I can't help her, and the only thing I'm doing is making myself feel neutral, that makes me feel cut off from people. I know we're revisiting a, a theme from earlier on, but this is not a this is an important point. Tell me a little bit about this for you and how you reconcile this. Well, I would say that uh, getting to emotional neutrality doesn't necessarily mean you don't uh, take action. So you can, you know, you can visit the person, you can help them if they need. Um, I actually can remember uh, when I was when I was in my twenties and I had some roommates and I came down with mono and my roommates were oblivious to this and like I like ran out of food because they weren't like you need. Could I, could I run to the store and get you some bread or something like that? You know, so just to to, to actually provide con- sometimes just providing concrete assistance to people can be very valuable. Uh, 
Yeah, well, and so we're going to go to the break. We just got our cue, everybody who can't hear that out there. Um, Rick Keller is with us. We're talking about secular meditation, how that is different from the traditional meditation, and how, more importantly, you can use some of these techniques, um, what Rick calls tricks, to cultivate inner peace, compassion, and joy. When we get back, we're going to start in on some of these different practices with Rick and uh, addressing some of the very real challenges a lot of us face, including, you know, feeling uh, that there is just no joy to be had um, and some of the issues we've already addressed. Right here on Marion Live, don't touch that dial. We'll be right back right after these messages. I don't want to date anymore. What? Did you break up again? You said he's perfect. Well, I don't blame you. My last date lasted two minutes at a speed dating event. Are you still looking for the one? There are millions of singles looking for soulmates. Actually, drama-free love. Worry no more. Nine international relationship experts collaborated to bring you secrets to drama-free love. Proven solutions that singles use to help them find, catch, and keep the right relationship. Get your copy of Secrets to Drama-Free Love at Amazon.com now. We've We've ordered ordered No More More Love Love Life Life Drama Drama for us. us. Shh. Over here. Here's a secret for a virus-free computer. ESET. They've been a pioneer in the antivirus industry for over 25 years. 25 years of innovative, top-rated antivirus protection. ESET's award-winning security solutions provide a safe online experience for over 100 million home and business computer owners. They are so affordable, fast, and simple to use. So be gone, you blue screen of death. ESET's on my computer. If it's not on yours, visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on ESET now. Did you know that in seven minutes you might save $522 on car insurance? Well, this makes sense. Since 21st Century Insurance's company's website has been rated number one in responsiveness by Keynote. Serving customers since 1958, 21st Century Insurance has a 24-7 online policy and claim service. You can get a quote fast and easy, so get your quote by visiting HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click right on the 21st Century Insurance banner. More exhilarating talk. HealthyLife.net Hey everybody, welcome back to Marianne Live. Uh, Rick Keller is with us today. He's written a new book. We're super excited about it. Secular Meditation. Yeah, you can get excited about meditation. You can be joyful. You can have compassion. You can jump up and down. And you can meditate without being religious, as it turns out. Who knew? Well... Rick uh, has been sharing with us all the ways that he has been a convert himself, um, moving through the myriad of questions that I've been uh, throwing around here this hour, including, uh, you know, why do we need to take the spirituality out of meditation? He says we don't. It's not about that. It's just about making some small shifts for folks who maybe don't have a history of right relationship or, or, you know, happy relationship with the idea of religion. Basically, meditation is available for everybody, says Rick. So on that note, Rick, before the break, um, 
we were talking a little bit about uh, the different types of meditation that people can practice. And uh, during this segment, let's let's enter into that very specific conversation. Um, and and as they relate to the topics of inner peace, compassion, and joy, which meditations are are better for what? And we're going to get to the sound meditation as well here. Yeah, so, you know, different types of meditation are better for different people. I've, you know, been leading meditation for a number of years now, and I, I find that, you know, some people can do a, a, a breath meditation. Other people, it doesn't really work for them. So uh, the two meditations I most frequently lead are the breath meditation and ambient sound meditation. And by that, I mean the sounds in the environment. And in the summary, we actually do this outside. We've gone to uh, John F. Kennedy Park in Cambridge, uh, Massachusetts, and, uh, uh, just spread out a blanket and listen to meditate on the sounds that are around us, which could be people walking their dog through the park or uh, uh, cars going by, airplanes overhead. And the message of the ambient sound meditation, you just focus on the sounds in the environment, is that things that you might consider to be noise, they're not noise, they're just a stimulus, they're just something going on. And they're only noise if they're interfering with what you're trying to do. So the example I give is a siren. If you were trying to do homework uh, and you were living in an apartment across the street from a fire station, that could be very irritating. But if your house is burning down and you heard the siren, that would be the sweetest of the fire engine. That would be the sweetest sound on earth. So it's the same sound, just the context. And so the message uh, in this is part of something uh, called the Four Noble Truths in Buddhism, and it has uh, validity that uh, there's no nothing that's uh, inherently good or bad, but it's how we judge them and the context we put in them that makes them good or bad, and the ambient sound meditation actually teaches this lesson. Yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, For some reason, something you said just made me think about um, the orientation of the personality, that some people may be more prone to um, toward meditation and others not, which you sort of said, you know, not everybody's going to sit around and do a breathing meditation and and so forth. But you you talked a little bit about... um, um, I call it narcissism. You were talking about sociopathy in your book a little bit, and as this relates to meditation, can you talk about this? Well, just in terms of uh, loving kindness practice, should we really love everyone? And that, where I come to is we come not really quite love, but universal non-hate. And I would say even like the bad people, the the serial killers and things like that. I, I don't see. Uh, what exactly you, you wouldn't want to hang out with them so that's like what what would the word love mean in such a context but even in the case of a person uh, who's a very bad person sometimes um when we hate them uh we actually uh, overdo it i perhaps not with a serial killer but you know the, the wars are caused by you know oftentimes someone does something provocative and then uh we do something back to punish them and oftentimes what we do is an escalation so if you can um Approach uh, a situation where someone has done something bad, uh, but uh, don't let your emotional reactivity take over and just get to a point of equanimity and still think about it and still see what has to be done. Does that person have to be caught? Does that person have to be incarcerated? You know, that may need to be the case, but try not to bring too much emotion and too much negative emotion to it that may cause you to do something harmful uh, in response. Right. Now, don't you think this is a process? I always feel like personal development and, and even you know, human potential is like an onion. You just keep peeling away your level of maturity and understanding and, and your ability to even focus and track yourself, other people, or your, your um, personal philosophy deepens and enriches over time. So... How does meditation, in your opinion, help with that? 
Masturbate. Well, you know, with meditation, sometimes uh, you sort of have to experience certain things. So mindfulness is often defined as paying attention to what's going on in the present moment with a, a feeling that is non-judgmental, that is welcoming and friendly. Um, and it, when you get to the mindfulness and when you get to a point where I experience where the mind is quieted, you don't have to actually quiet your mind, but in my case, my mind does get very quiet. It's really a, a, a lovely sort of feeling. What, when you actually experience this, it actually gives you some insight into uh, how you want to live. And it's sometimes easier to start with the experiential and have that allow you to have insight. And then that, rather, than, rather than just have an intellectual argument going back and forth, uh, sometimes the experiential aspect of meditation can really help you think things through. All right. Well, let's, so let's put some of this into practice, okay? Let's say we were starting with the meta-meditation. Kind of break that down for us, what it is, um, your twist on the traditional uh, Mahayana um, meditation, and, and how we might apply this in our lives. So with the loving-kindness meditation, it starts off, uh, uh, you are asked to, or at least I ask people to think about a, a benefactor, someone who has... Uh, um, been helpful to them in their lives, and uh, with a person in mind, I, I, I would say, to, with that person in mind, I would say, I'd like you to be safe, I'd like you to be healthy, I'd like you to be happy, I'd like you to be at ease in the world. And in, it's an intention. It, you know, traditionally, it's really more of a, uh, the word slightly different, and people think that maybe it's a blessing. I just changed the word a little bit so that people who don't like the idea of some sort of blessing see it as just a way of stating your intention and uh, your warm feelings toward that person. And then in the, um, in the practice, you then work through to yourself. So you'd say, I'd like to be safe. I'd like to be healthy. I'd like to be happy. I'd like to be at ease in the world. And then after that, you work to additional people. That I said the neutral person, let's say the person who served you coffee at Dunkin' Donuts, and then uh, the difficult person, or sometimes it's also called the enemy, a person who's uh, uh, maybe harmful to you. And you then explore uh, what that would actually mean. Do you actually want such a person to be happy? Uh, we, when I lead that meditation, I, I say just you know go through the words and, and imagine uh, what. In what context would you want uh, a person to be happy? Perhaps they first need to uh, correct their behavior. In that case, I, I, I don't. I don't try to be dogmatic about them. But I, you know, I, I ask people to sort of consider these things. And I also normally, when I leave this meditation of a difficult person, I ask people to start with a person who's not too difficult, like a coworker who's a little bit irritating. They're probably a good person, but uh, they get on your nerves. So you kind of meditate. You you wish warm feelings toward them. Perhaps that actually might affect your unconscious feelings toward that person and improve your relationship. Yeah, back to that intersubjective piece, right? I was mm -hmm. thinking that's beautiful meditation, by the way. I remember the first time that I did it, um, the visual, if you're a visual person, I could actually imagine those people in my mind's eye, and it was so satisfying and made me feel so warm inside and really did shift my attitude. And then I, I did wonder if other people could feel some shifts, of course. I had to ask, <laughs> did you feel me meditating about you later on? And, you know, no one could really say for sure. But, but it does beg the question, um, given that I've read your book, and for those of you, by the way, who want to get a copy or online right now, look and go to rickheller.com or wherever fine books are sold to get a copy of Secular Meditation, These Practices and Other 
uh, practices, 32 as a matter of fact, practices for cultivating inner peace, compassion, and joy can be yours uh, overnight probably if you've got a great Amazon account. Um, you, you said something in your book that, that was disheartening in some way, that if you ask anybody born uh, prior to 1980, I think it was, feels that this world is not a safe place. Now, if you could imagine, however, those people um, living in a world where, or a culture even, where people were sitting around holding other people in their highest light, right, wanting them to be safe, wanting them to feel peace, wanting them to have health in their lives, we could shift this collective mentality, um, and I think that's part of your efforts at the at the Harvard group that you've created. Yes. Uh, well, I, I created the. Well, I shouldn't say I created the. I, I didn't create the group. I, there are other people, but I've been leading the uh, meditation group for about six years, and uh, the community goes back about thirty years. Sorry, but, sorry uh, for that. But yeah, we're trying to um, um, have. Uh, Hopefully that sort of idea uh, percolate. You know, one of the problems, or I say problems in the country, one of the challenges in this country is uh, diversity. And uh, I, I think that if we had some more loving kindness toward each other, it would actually help with our uh, respect for other people. So that's one of the areas where I hope I would like to see the loving kindness uh, meditation work its way into this conversation over diversity. And because and sometimes the conversation is sort of a finger wagging when you're a bad person because you're not appreciating other people. And rather than like just uh, use the say the stick, uh, mindful or loving kindness meditation is a way we can actually enjoy the company of other people who are a little bit different from us. And that's uh, uh, a ma- way of making it. Uh, more pleasant uh, to encounter diverse people. Yes, and and just have a greater capacity for the paradox, the complexity of being human altogether in this big melting pot we call the United States and, and the other countries that are tuning in today. You notice your cultural climate as well. All right, we're going to invite you to go do some mindfulness meditation, uh, and meta meditation during the break. We're going to be right back right after these messages and we come back more with Rick Heller on secular meditation and some more meditation practices here for you when we return all together. I'm Miriam Live back in just a minute. I don't want to date anymore. What? Did you break up again? You said he's perfect. Well, I don't blame you. My last date lasted two minutes at a speed dating event. Are you still looking for the one? There are millions of singles looking for soulmates. Actually, drama-free love. Worry no more. Nine international relationship experts collaborated to bring you secrets to drama-free love. Proven solutions that singles use to help them find, catch, and keep the right relationship. Get your copy of Secrets to Drama-Free Love at Amazon.com now. We've ordered No No More More Love Life Life Drama drama for us. MarianneLive.com is where you can go to keep up to date with what and where relationship expert, author, and radio host Marianne Camerado is appearing next. Besides Marianne's three radio shows weekdays on HealthyLife.net, you can find out details about upcoming or ongoing seminars and workshops. How about information for ordering copies of books or DVDs? That's also available at MarianneLive.com. Find out about core certification, certificate of responsible relationships, www.marianlive.com, core certification, learning tools to attract, build, and sustain great relationships. 
Also sign up for Marianne's newsletter to be informed about upcoming events and possible workshops or speaking engagements in the Northern California area. www.mariannelive.com What does HealthyLife.net and Amazon.com have in common? Well, they're both available on the Internet. They both give great value. But most important, most of our positive program hosts and guests are accomplished authors, and their books are available from, you got it, Amazon.com. Now it even gets better than that, because when you're listening on air to a HealthyLife.net host or guest, you can go directly to Amazon.com, and you can order your book while you're still listening to your favorite HealthyLife.net program. So when you hear an author you like, go to the homepage of HealthyLife.net and click on Amazon.com. Healthy Life. .net the positive radio network Everybody welcome back. Oh, yeah, we're back. I'm so glad you're here. Were you meditating? Were you doing the meta meditation? It's so awesome, especially when you think of a person that's been um, you know, you're struggling with or you have frustration with and once you settle in and you pull that microscope out and you start sending them well wishes, right? You start saying, I see you as healthy and safe and, and so on. It, it really, something shifts. And it, and it does seem magical. I'm going to use that word. I don't, I don't mind that word. I actually like that word. It, it, it feels magical, the, the power that we have with our intention and thoughts. So, uh, Rick, let's, let's move our attention away from the meta meditation towards the old Tonglen approach, uh, which you have a, a nice variation of that helps us develop, um, is it compassion or joy? I can't remember what the tongue limit is. Well, it, it, it's, it's compassion. So the, uh, in the, uh, the Buddhist tradition, the, the Brahma Viharas are, um, or, or the, the, called the four immeasurables. They, they, they include compassion, uh, loving kindness, sympathetic joy, and equanimity. Uh, so the difference between compassion and loving kindness is traditionally uh, compassion is uh, warm feelings toward a person who's suffering, whereas loving kindness can be toward anyone. Sympathetic joy is actually a wonderful one. When you see someone smiling, if you're in a down mood, sometimes you kind of get that actually puts you more down. But if you can actually take a moment to connect emotionally with that person, even if they're a stranger, and just share their joy, be happy for them being happy, it actually lifts your mood. It's, it's, it's somewhat counterintuitive, but it, it, it's, it's great. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how that goes? I know you've spelled it out in the book for folks who want more information. You're, you're going to pick up a copy of Secular Meditation. It's all spelled out for you. But for, in the meantime, how does that go? So in the case of Sympathetic Joy, I, I, I've noticed that some lunch hour work, and I just walk down the street, and I see someone smile. I, I notice when people walk, they're mostly not smiling, unless, number one, they're talking to another person because the interaction with a friend often Smile, smile, and sometimes they're like listening to music, and they're listening to a song they love, and they're just smiling. And if you just, and if you're in a down mood, uh, if you can just uh, probably work through these mirror neurons. If you see the person, and and you actually bring, take a moment to actually uh, feel a connection with them or kindness toward them, instead of negativity toward the fact that they're happier than you, just be happy for them. You are actually happy. It helps you. So. I, I put this in the context of self-interest or enlightened self-interest. Being kind and friendly toward others actually can make you happy. Yeah, and it's not that hard to do. We can actually make a choice. I know it feels like pulling a plane out of a nosedive sometimes. <laughs> it really does because we mm-hmm. can get all the justification and your body's already got a momentum and you've got hormones that are released and, and adrenaline and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, you've got a great story in your book about being in a parking lot when some guy, I love that story, by the way, where some guy pulls up to you. 
different different uh, situation and and uh, meditation. But you know, it, it takes a lot of discipline to make a choice when you feel like you're uh, in reaction, right? Yeah. So in that story, it's it's a longer story, but basically, a guy was. It was, I call it parking lot rage. Guy was trying to pick a fight with me over how I parked, even though he parked after me. <laughs> it was very yeah. silly. But uh, I just refused to. Uh, I just refused to argue with him, and I and I said, I, you know, I don't accept your criticism. And I, I got in the car and drove away. And, <laughs> and I felt that when I said this, it wasn't even like my words coming out. I'd actually just taken a meta meditation, a loving kindness meditation uh, workshop at the Cambridge Insight Meditation Center. So I thought, oh, wow, that really got to me because <laughs> these things that I didn't know, and, and ha- it sort of shifted in, inside me without even knowing it. Beautiful. Well, hey, we're coming up to the top of the hour. I, I want to know, you wrote something about uh, the difference between self-esteem and self-compassion. I love this point. Can you make it? Well, self-compassion is always available. Self-esteem is sometimes saying, you know, I'm, I'm uh, above average. It's a, ju- it's a judgment thing. And sometimes, you know, you may not be that good. Like for me, as a gar- guitar, gar- guitar player, musician, I'm not any good at that. So my self-esteem may not be so good at that. And I, you might have to lie to say, oh, I'm so great or I'm so wonderful uh, at, at things. But no matter how good you are, or even if you're bad at things, you can always have self-compassion. You can have emotional feeling of warmth to yourself right. under all situations. And then the point there being, everybody, that the meditations are being directed towards other people, but my point was is oftentimes the way we treat ourselves, the way we talk to ourselves, we need this meditation to be in right relationship with self as well. So it's sort of a, a nice spiral. We're at the top of the hour. Rick, what do you want to leave us with today? Um, well, I, I believe that uh, happiness, uh, much of happiness, can, does come from within, so that these practices can help us shift from needing things to say, okay, I can't be happy until I've succeeded X, Y, or Z. I got a certain job, got, a, got into a school, and things like that. Much of happiness is, is with, from within, and uh, there are various practices that people can pursue to uh, achieve that uh, uh, no matter what situation they're in. Beautiful. And you've got 32 for us. What a treat. What a gift. We can get secular meditation where refined books are sold, or you can go to rickheller.com for more information. I'll spell it out, R-I-C-K-H-E-L-L-E-R.com. Rick, thanks so much for taking time to be with us today. We're so grateful you did. Oh, thank you, Marianne. You're welcome back anytime. And I told you, I told Rick I want him to write a new book about meditation and the electronic uh, age that we are in. He's going to get on that, right? <laughs> you bet. <laughs> yeah, right. All right, Rick. Uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks again for coming out and, and sharing your wisdom with us today. Thank you so much. All right, everybody else, sit tight and do not touch that dial. you got to find out who's on deck next week. Uh, does uh, Miguel Ruiz sound familiar? Oh, yeah, maybe. Come back and find out right here on Marion Live and see who's joining us next week uh, and be ready for our wrap. In the meantime, go meditate. We'll be right back right after these messages. Hi, everybody. I'm relationship expert and radio talk show host, Marianne Camarado. And I'm David Raynaud. We want to talk to you for a minute about the changing world of dating and relationships and how self-inquiry can help. Honey, did you know that 44% of the U.S. population is single and over 50% end in divorce? Yet, 
We spend an average of one-third of our lives trying to find a great relationship or get help with the ones we already have. Yep, that's exactly why we created the first ever of its kind, the Great Relationships Begin Within Self-Inquiry Divination Deck, because we know what it takes to attract and create a healthy, fulfilling, sustainable relationship. And it's really simple. Sit quietly, close your eyes, turn your attention inward, and draw a card. You can go online right now and get a free reading on Marianne Lide and try out the cards. And for under $20, what better way to give yourself a gift of your own attention? We wish you every blessing. We'll see you next time. Check out MarianneLive.com. To be a good father is the most important job in a man's life. But it doesn't have to be hard. Play catch. Go to a park or visit a zoo. Help your child with their homework. Sit down together for dinner. Ask them how their day was. Things get busy, and sometimes we all fall short. But the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at one 877 dad or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Stuff, stuff, stuff. Where can I contain all of my stuff? Hmm, how about this? The Container Store, the original storage and organization store. And I found their link on the HealthyLife.net advertiser page. They have containers for everything, including the kitchen, the bathroom, trash and recycling, traveling, spring cleaning, and dorm rooms. Just about everything you can think of to contain your stuff. The Container Store, right on the HealthyLife.net advertiser page. HealthyLife.net, where positive overcomes negative. back everybody for all you new Rick Heller fans oh yeah secular meditation oh and that's the rest of us isn't it we can meditate without it being religious but I'm not giving up the spiritual part myself it's magic okay we're so glad that you stayed with us today and that you came back to find out who's on deck next week and for the last part of your practice of course that's our last little treat for you well, Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. is joining us next week. Oh, yeah, the next generation, the mastery of self, a Toltec guide to personal freedom. Oh, yep, he's going to be with us next week right here, same time, same place. You don't want to miss that show. In the meantime, go do something for somebody else. You don't even have to go anywhere. Do something for somebody else. Don't let them know you did it. It's a beautiful part of our practice. We've got three pieces for our practice finding your breath, your portal of gratitude, and then being in relationship with others, uh, being of service to somebody else and not letting them know you did it. Blessings, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. I'm so grateful that you keep coming back. We'll see you next time. Take care. Until then. Hello.